With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel. It's NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and easy to use. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. When you win, you'll get paid fast. FanDuel has a lot of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. Combine multiple bets in the same game in a same-game parlay and try out Same Game Parlay Plus. And now, FanDuel is live in Ohio, so people in Ohio... Get in on the action immediately. Use the promo code BOXING. That's how they know I'll send you. And download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, Alexis Rocha is here, 147-pound contender on January 28th. He's back in the ring against Anthony Young. Uh, SoFi Stadium, YouTube Theater. Is this the first fight at the YouTube Theater? I believe so. With Golden Boy, yes. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, the PBC fight. Oh, I didn't even know there was a theater in there. I honestly didn't know either. <laughs> like no. it's, how do you feel about that? Like, a fight in there? It's, it's, I'm very grateful for the opportunity, honestly. You know, I got to thank Robert Diaz, Eric Gomez, all of Golden Boy, all of The Zone for putting me on a good card like mm-hmm. this. You know, to, to headline something like this, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. So, we are Santa Ana born, right? Yes, sir. Santa Ana raised, and we're in that Santa Ana area right now yeah. in a gym right here. What? What was the boxing scene like for you kind of growing up in this area? Uh, yeah, it was very stacked. You know, growing up, you had Luis Ramos Jr., my older brother, Ronnie Rios, and you had other pros. And, you know, just growing up with, with people like that, you know, it's 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 exciting to, to one day follow their footsteps and, you know, take it up another level. And I'm very, like I said, I'm very grateful for this whole, just this whole process, mm-hmm. you know, growing up with my brother, Ronnie, seeing him being a pro. A professional from an amateur to professional to being um, a prospect to being a contender to fight for a world title you know it's been it's been exciting so you're right now one of the top contenders at welterweight what would like 13 year old version of you have thought 
would they have believed you'd have been here at this point? I wouldn't have believed I've been here. <laughs> Honestly, I was like my coach explained to you earlier. I was about 205 pounds, 110 pounds at the age of 12. And I had no interest in boxing. The myth of this, by the way, is like you were five feet tall. Yeah, <laughs> you no, that, that's a myth. Five, four, I was like five, 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 five six. <laughs> yeah, I, I was taller. But yeah, I wouldn't. Never in a million years I would expect to be in the position I am right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like mm-hmm. I just said, like the word I use obviously is grateful because mm-hmm. that's what I am. So you're five, four, five, five, 200 pounds. What brings you into the gym? Is it your brother Ronnie, who you know, long time contender or? Older brother to lose weight. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. It was yeah. That it, was it. it was the main concept. The main purpose for me going to the boxing gym was to lose weight because I was always getting bullied in school. I just took a physical. I was twelve years old, so that's when I started getting checkups and physicals. And they told me like like look, you're on the verge of getting diabetes and you have very high cholesterol. Wow. And I was I was panicking. I was I was scared. And I remember I told my mom, like, I got I to gotta do something about this. I told my brothers, too. And they, t- and they asked me, like, why don't you just come to the gym with us? And I agreed. So I just started going, stepping into the gym with them. And within five months, I lost about 60 pounds. Why didn't you want, if you, your brother was always in the gym, he was always into boxing. Why didn't you want to do that naturally, originally? To be honest, I was the laziest kid you ever meet. <laughs> I had, to this day, I still don't like any sports. Cause I never grew up watching these sports. My thing was eating and watching, watching movies and watching Dragon Ball Z anime and playing video games. That was, that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I never had an interest in boxing, let alone any physical activity. Were your brothers trying to get you in the gym before that? Were they oh like, yeah. Hey man. Like- yeah. They would try to take me to the gym before that. And just to lose weight. Cause growing up, I was very overweight. Mm. I was like seven pounds. I mean, seven years, seven years old, weighing about 130 maybe 135, 140 mm-hmm. pounds. And that's a seven-year-old kid. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to be weighing that much. <laughs> so That's almost like what you're weighing that when you fight I mean, now. Yeah, like basically fight you're now. fighting exactly. weight 20 years prior. Exactly. So I was like, damn, I'm not going to go to some physical contact like this. I'd rather just stay at home and eat. Mm-hmm. So I would just, I would go to the gym about two weeks, get a little sweat, and then that was it. Stop going to the gym. So when you decide you're going to go to the gym and, and take weight off. What were those first days like? Oh, they were grueling. Cause I remember I had to come back from school. Um, I had no right to get to the gym, so I had to make it possible. So what I did from my house to the gym is about two and a half miles. So I had to basically run slash walk there. And I had no running shoes at the time. I had Vans, I had Converse. My feet were hurting that first two weeks cause I had no running shoes. I had all these blisters on my feet. And not just that, I was 205 pounds trying to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was very grueling, but we got it done. What do you remember about kind of running to the gym like that? Anything that jumps to mind when you think back on those days? I remember days? I was running and um, I was huffing and puffing and guys being jerks. Um, I don't know if I can cuss here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Guys being dicks, I should say, <laughs> would honk and be like, go, Rocky, run, run, Rocky, run. And I was like, I looked at him like huffing and puffing. And I stopped. I stopped running. I started walking because I was out of breath. I'm like, damn, these fucking dicks. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I remember those first probably year, maybe mm-hmm. six months of trying to, yeah, the first six months I want to say mm-hmm. is uh, people honking at me. And I remember Mary Lara, who was the director of the, the gym of TKO Boxing Club in Santa Ana. She would always ask me for rides and I'd always tell her like, no, like Mary, I got I to gotta run. I got to <laughs> I gotta start losing this weight. I, started, I got to start putting the sacrifices. You got to get disciplined. I got to put the commitment in. And she'd be like, oh, okay, okay. And I remember for, that was from, like, day one. Mm-hmm. And then till like, till I lost the 60 pounds, she's like, man, look at you now. Like, you're, you're a whole new different person. 
What was harder to do, show up to work out or cut out the foods that you needed to cut out? Cut out the, to oh, until this day, cut out the food. <laughs> I, I still, until this day, I still love junk food. You yeah. know, I love Coca-Cola. I love my cheeseburgers. I love In-N-Out. And to go with cold turkey and stop all the soda, stop mm-hmm. all the all the fast food places is hard. But that was initially the first hard step was to cut all the junk food. When did you start to see results back then? When did, when did it start to be like, all right, well, if I keep doing this, it's starting to come off? Um, the, like I said, like the, I think the third month mm. when I was probably around 170 pounds, my coach put me in the spar, Coach Hector. He put me in the spar and um, I'm Ross petrified. I was so petrified of going in that ring and then I sparred with a kid who was older than me. He had been there. He was more experienced than me. I cracked. I remember I hit him like in the first round. I cracked him pretty good and everyone yelled out because everyone stopped working out just to see the fat kid and the other experienced <laughs> kid. I was like the first kid. I was like the new kid to go to start sparring and everyone stopped. Ronnie stopped working out and everyone was watching me on. I hit him. I remember he was like, oh, and the third round, I remember he, he hits me with a straight right hand and I like my lights go out. Like my head snaps back. I look at the ceiling. Hector's like, hey, why are you looking at the ceiling? The lights are on. And I was like, damn, this shit's scary because I saw all black. I couldn't even see my, my opponent. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I remember. They took me out and Hector's like, hey, if you stick to this, if you keep working out hard, you could actually be good at this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, you think so? I just mm-hmm. got my ass handed to me. <laughs> And he's like, no, I'm being serious. You're like, you, you could be good at this. So I remember from there, I just started putting it in the work. And he told me I was in a fight in two weeks. And my brother, Salvador Rios, was also actually fighting at the time, too. He looked at me, and he saw the fear in my eyes. He said, hey, you don't have to fight if you don't want to. I was so close to walking to Hector because I was literally contemplating over and over that whole gym session, going up to Hector and telling him, hey, Hector, I don't think this is for me. I, don't, mm-hmm. I do not want to fight at all. But something in my heart told me to to stick to it. And I remember those two weeks, I started dining extra hard. I would eat my vegetables, my broccoli, whatever, you name it, my <laughs> protein. And come the day of the fight, the lightest I've ever been, I weighed about 143, 144 pounds, like ever, even since birth probably. Shit. <laughs> and then I remember I stopped the kid in the second round, and the kid was six pounds heavier than me. He was the same age, but he, was, he had six fights, and mm-hmm. I was making my, my first amateur debut. And I stopped him in the second round, and people were telling me that I was good, that the, their coaches, the kids' coaches that I fought were actually blaming Hector, like, oh, that kid you probably brought from Mexico, he's probably <laughs> like 17, 18, because there's no way that kid's 13 fighting like that and having that much power. And he's like, no, we, you can check his birth certificate, we have everything on file. And then I remember from there, I told myself, if I, if I still committed to this, I can go places. Mm-hmm. Before he put you into that first sparring session, yeah. was doing it even a thought in your mind? Hell no. <laughs> not even remotely close. I did not want to fight at all. Yeah, and it's crazy. And then I picture it too. He even asked me too, what would I have been doing if I didn't if I chose to tell him that I want to fight? What would I have been doing? And that's a great question I ask myself all the time because I literally eat shit, sleep boxing. I don't watch any sports. I don't have any hobbies. I love movies, that's about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't do anything else. Just just this mm-hmm. when you got that first win did it change something in you did you start to either like it more did it become addictive in yeah. a way like how did that change things it became my passion mm-hmm. it became my passion and from that day on i started going to the gym grinding hard every day i started running i don't know why i started running like 14 miles a day um i just thought the more i ran the more hard working i was and I went to the gym. I would literally spend three hours there just hitting the bag repeatedly over and over and 
I was just like you said, addictive. Mm-hmm. I was addicted to this, and from there, within like the first year, I won the silver gloves, mm-hmm. the districts, and I won districts, won regionals, won states, won nationals, and within a year and a half later, I want to say almost two years into boxing, or maybe a year and a half into boxing, I won a national tournament called Junior Olympics, and mm-hmm. that placed me to go to Russia to compete with the junior national team. So. From there, it just like it's spiraled out of control. I I just told myself, man, I like I'm I'm on a hot streak right now. What's it like for a, a teenager to go to Russia and compete? <sighs> man, it's 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 different. You feel like you're a whole different world when you're out there. Um, it never hit me until we ar- we landed there. I remember I won the tournament, and then Hector told me, um, like you're going to Russia, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, no way, I'm going to Russia, like <laughs> halfway across the world, and there's no way. And then I remember just training for it. And then a month later, I landed in Russia. I spent my, my 15th birthday landing. July 7th, I landed in Russia. And I was like, everyone, my whole teammates were wishing me a happy birthday. And I was just like, damn, I'm really in Russia. And I was celebrating my 15th <laughs> birthday. It's a, it was a surreal moment. Mm-hmm. When does, you know, it becomes your passion. When do you start to think this could be my profession? Um, I think once I made the junior national team twice mm-hmm. uh, in 20. 13 2014 I made it and then I remember I was I wasn't struggling in school I was a good student but I was a very lazy student because all I wanted to do was get out of high school and or get out of class and just go straight to the gym mm-hmm. I I was just obsessing over just going to the gym to spar or to work out I got to work on this I got to do this and I remember just telling myself like damn like I I want to be pro I want to mm-hmm. turn pro right after high school and and yeah I think after my junior year, senior year, they would ask me, what are you going to do? And I would tell everyone, I'm going to be a professional boxer. And everyone at the time would just laugh. They would pretty much laugh at me. Mm-hmm. They knew I was good because I would miss so much time from work, I mean, from work, from school, that my my principal had to kick me out because I missed a total of 60 days. Mm-hmm. So I missed two consecutive months. And from there, like, I was pretty much not going to mm-hmm. pass. I was pretty mm-hmm. much not going to graduate. So I had to get my independent studies. I had mm-hmm. to do all that stuff just to, to earn the credits to, mm-hmm. to graduate. How, how useful was it for you to have an older brother who was doing this already? To have someone kind of, I don't know, blazing the trail for you might be too strong a phrase, yeah. but like just showing you kind of to, the pathway to, to, to guide me. To yeah, guide to you, guide yeah. me really. Um, Ronnie, Ronnie's been there since day one. He's helped me so much and She's just, she's helped me so much. She's guided me so much to, to, she's been telling me, she's been giving me all this advice since day one from the amateurs, like, hey, like, to the Waynes, when I go Wayne with my opponents, he, he would tell me, like, these guys, these kids are going to be sizing you up to mm-hmm. see if you're in your weight class. So in the pro debut, when you're like, you're going to, you're going to hate the day of Waynes, but when you wait, then when you weigh in, you're going to, f- you feel like a new man by the mm-hmm. next day. So just a little stuff like that. He's always been helping me and, you know, very blessed to have Ronnie my older brother now you got some size on him in terms of boxing uh sparring sessions oh, back I'd in beat the day. his ass I'd <laughs> okay. beat his ass <laughs> okay. yeah the first time i ever sparred ronnie i was probably like 14 beat the shit out of me <laughs> yeah i beat the shit out of me he blooded me up and you remember he told me like oh bro i love you i'm sorry i'm like get away from me like, you just handed my ass to me and shit and then I started getting older, getting more experienced. I was about 18, 19, and now I'm starting to use my length and start to use my weight on them. And keep in mind, I'm 25 pounds bigger than him, mm-hmm. 20 pounds bigger than him. 
So now I'm like making a mess. You can't hit me. I'm putting my hand out like like the, the mm-hmm. big brother. Haha, you can't hit me. <laughs> but but yeah, we, we used to go out in sparring sessions. Do you like I have a younger brother and I remember when he first could take me. Like I remember when yeah. he got bigger, stronger and he could first take me. Do you remember when you first got the best of Ronnie? <laughs> yeah, I do. I, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, I was probably 19 already, almost 20. And the way I was moving, the way I was just using my, using my reach, using my height on them, I was like, damn, this is not easy, but it's easier than it was when I was 15. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but we've always been competitive, mm-hmm. like to to any little thing, any little thing we do to it's how many plates we eat on Thanksgiving, <laughs> you know, we're competitive at that. How many plates we stack on, like when we eat sushi or whatever, to our mile times, how much we could do this in. We've always been comp- competitive, and that's mm-hmm. what brought out the best of both of us. Mm-hmm. So when you turn pro, you know, the pro style is very different than an amateur style. Yeah. And, and you seem like the kind of guy that takes to it pretty well, that maybe you're even better is, as a pro fighter than as an amateur. You're a powerful guy. Yeah. You use angles really well. Um, h- how did you feel in those first couple of fights you know, with the pro style? I feel like I adapted very well because mm-hmm. even the amateurs, I like I said, growing up with Ronnie, I've always seen the professional style because when I was an amateur, he was already training professional. Mm-hmm. So I would look at him. He would give me advice. And just the advice would, he would give me would be to like a professional standpoint where like you got to sit down on your punches. You got to knock people out. But in the amateurs, you're there to score points. Mm-hmm. As many points as possible. Even if they're not there to hurt you or to knock you out, you just have to score points. And to me, I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to mm-hmm. knock someone. I want to rip someone's head off. <laughs> <clears throat> and and it was, it was an easy train. I would say a farewell, an easy, fair transition turning into the pros. Mm-hmm. In the first couple fights, you know, you have to start getting the use of no headgear and then the elbows, the headbutts, because those, those shits hurt. Mm-hmm. Those hurt really bad. And those sometimes hurt even more than punches <laughs> themselves. But the first couple fights, you have to adapt to the new style. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a little bit. You're developing into a prospect. You're part of Golden Boy Stable. And a couple of years ago, you faced Rashidi Ellis. Yes. And that was a prospect versus prospect type yes. of matchup where we'd see the contender one, rise yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We know. We, let's see what happens with the two of yeah. them. You lose that fight. Um, how did you respond to it? At first, I was. What's the word I'm looking for? I was. Uh, I was embarrassed for losing my first time. Not. I wasn't defeated. I didn't feel defeated because I remember losing. I told myself, like, fuck, like, I was so worried about letting that zero go. And we were talking about this earlier mm-hmm. that everyone puts that emphasis on the zero that you have to hide it or protect it. People don't want to lose it. And I put so much pressure on me to look good, to keep that that zero that when I fought Rashidi, you know, hands off to him. He did what he had to do. He beat me fair and square. I'm not making no m- mistakes, but I was I was petrified. I was I was scared. I was I saw the lights for the first time I was walking out and I felt lost. I felt mm-hmm. just in a shell. I was just like, damn. I'm going to fight right now. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I've a- actually ever felt like that pro amateur sparring, whatever. And I, I, like, I feel like the moment got the best of me. And then when I lost, I remember I was just bawling. I was crying. I remember Hector, Hector told me like, don't you ever, like everyone came up to me, try to give me a hug. Hector's like, get the fuck away from him. <laughs> <laughs> he told my other coaches, get away from him. He's like, I want him to feel this shit till the day he dies. Like, I don't want him to ever feel like this ever again. Mm-hmm. So when, so like now when I think about it, when I'm in the gym, when I'm tired, when I'm in bed hurting, I don't want to wake up to go run those six miles, five miles that I think about that very moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't want to ever feel like that again because mm-hmm. you you discouraged. You almost mm-hmm. feel discouraged in the way. 
And that's a very shitty feeling to mm -hmm. feel discouraged and you're not 100% confident in yourself. And I feel like it took me a good two months after the fight where I would run every night and I would just go back to the fight, replay. If I would have done this, if I should have done this, if I would have put the pressure, I would have won. I kept replaying that over and over, but I'm just like, why, why have that? Why live in the past like that? Mm -hmm. Like the past is over. I got to keep moving forward. So I started visualizing my next opponent, whoever it may be. I was just visualizing me beating him down, like chopping down the tree, knocking Pripo out. Um, I just started thinking about that. And then from there, my confidence started to grow. And I pretty much put all that, all that heavy stuff in like a bag and I took it out of that bag. Now I feel like I'm loose. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like I'm having fun with it. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like, in other words, I'm more, I'm more confident than I was before that before that loss. How different did you feel then going into the next fight? You know, ha after having lost for the first time, how different did you feel walking into the ring? I feel more confident going mm -hmm. to the ring. I was all, not sunshine and rainbows, because it's, <laughs> it's hard. No one wants to get in the ring and get hit by someone. <laughs> no one wants to cut weight. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it sucks, but it's our profession. It's what we love to do. And then I, I remember walking to that ring. I'm like, damn, this feels good. Because I remember I took about eight months. Because obviously the pandemic was holding everyone back. Right. And I remember I went to the gym and eight, I mean, I returned to the ring eight months later and I was like, damn, it feels so good to be back to, to having even crowd to your name. And I remember I knocked the guy out like in the second round and it was a pretty nasty knockout. Mm -hmm. I remember hitting with the over, like the over left hand, knocked him out, sat him on his stomach. And I was like, damn, like, mm -hmm. I can't wait to make the comeback. And you've. You've been able to to stay active, which I think is really important very, over very the last couple career. of years. I mean, you know, Rashidi lost his last fight. Um, I, he'd be the only one that could tell you, but I, it feels like inactivity may have played a part in that, fighting only one round in the 22 months since yeah. since he fought you. He fought. You not only have stayed active, you've been seizing opportunities when presented. Obviously, everybody wants to make a million dollars. Everyone wants to get Everyone, rich. But yeah. when you... When you got an opportunity to be a main event mm -hmm. after Virgil fell out of yeah. the McKinson fight, you jumped up there and you put on a career-defining performance yes. in that one, just like this fight coming up. Mm -hmm. This date, originally earmarked for Ryan Garcia. Yeah. Ryan decides not to fight. Here you are stepping into main event in Southern California against Anthony Young. I mean, yeah. I feel like you you being opportunistic is going to pay off. Fuck, at, at some you're point getting me excited, you. Chris. You're, you're <laughs> getting me ready to step in the ring right now. <laughs> Yeah, like the opportunity has to present itself and you always have to be ready in the gym. But going back to being like active, uh, I wanted to be active right after that fight. But like I said, with COVID and everything, the pandemic yeah. going on, I had to wait a little while, seven, eight months. I fought and then I wanted to be right back in within two, three months later. And I think I, I believe I did. I was back in the ring three, three months later, knocked out. And then I get the Blair fight and I'm like, all right, it's a good name. You know, he talks a lot of stuff. <laughs> talks a lot of shit and then uh, it's gonna promote the fight very well and yeah like i had a career to find the uh, uh win against them mm -hmm. and i feel like i'm ready for whoever it is the top contenders the champions mm -hmm. you know Just, i'm knocking on the door i want to challenge myself i want to be i want to be um, mentioned amongst the best out there you know i want people to see all oh, the welterweight division alexis rocha he's 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 on a hot roll he's he's ready for the world champions in x2 and going into this fight like I said, I'm always in the gym, always training. I took about maybe a week and a half at the most after my last fight in October. Uh, went to a little vacation, came back, and it was back to work, back to work on the mistakes, back to work on the good stuff. Mm. And I was running in the gym. I remember I was, I was at 24-hour fitness running. <laughs> I just got done running four miles and lifting weights. Hector calls me. He says, like, hey, Lex. I can hear in his voice, like, <laughs> this is going to be some big news. 
just by his voice. He would just calls me, hey, what's up, Lex? Or, <laughs> hey, Lex. And when it was, it wasn't like in that tone, I'm like, all right, I think we got something going on here. <laughs> and he's like, oh, as you know, Ryan doesn't want to fight and he doesn't want to tune up. He just wants to go straight to Davis. Um, um, people from Golden Boy mentioned your name and the zone liked it. And I was like, hell yeah, like fucking put me on. Like mm-hmm. it's six weeks. It's like a little bit more than six and a half weeks or some or somewhat. I'm like, I've been in the gym. I've been ready. Like, just give me a place and date. That's it. I don't care who mm-hmm. the name is. And yeah, like mm-hmm. well, you can't let opportunities like this go by, you know? And, and one thing I think you're starting to show as well is you can draw a crowd, which is yeah. for yourself and for TV people too. Yeah. They want to see. I don't know why. I don't know how people like me. I, I know, but, no, but I, I remember, <laughs> I remember the Cobbs fight was what in Anaheim or it was, uh, it was in LA, LA, the Galen sorry, I, Center. Yeah, yeah. Galen Center. Correct. Yeah. And I remember you walking out and the crowd response and you being introduced and the crowd response. And oh, it reminded nuts. me a little bit of kind of the crowds that Gilberto Ramirez was drawing yeah. in Southern California, the same kind of crowd that was supporting you in the same way you're supporting them. Do you feel like you're, you're starting to yeah. develop a pretty good fan base? A, a great fan base mm-hmm. here in Southern California. I want to expand it global. I don't want mm-hmm. to just be in Southern California. I want the world to know mm-hmm. people from Mexico, hell, even Russia be mm-hmm. like, oh, like that guy's fucking badass. Mm-hmm. I it's want, always like, good though, like because if you can always go back home and put five thousand, ten thousand, oh, fifteen thousand yeah, yeah. seats, like you know Crawford doesn't make a ton of money fighting in Omaha, but like fifteen thousand fans in the stands is something. Like it's that's something, yeah. that's legit to have there. Like yeah. having not enough fighters, I don't think have a that great like home that. base that they can yeah. go to. I remember covering Andre Berto for years back in the day, fighting Florida like once every five years, and nobody would go. Mm. Like the, it just doesn't. There's too much emphasis on casinos and certain places that. You know, guys don't develop a fan base, and you have over the last couple yeah, of years. I have, and I'm very blessed to have a great fan base like mm-hmm. that to support me. I get people hitting me up that I don't even know. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, like, nice fight. When are you going to fight? We're there. I get people on my DMs telling me, like, I bought my ticket. I'm there. And I don't even, I never heard of these people <laughs> a day in my life. So I'm like, damn. Like I said, I'm grateful mm-hmm. for this. So Anthony Young on the 28th, was yes. he, were you just like, I'll take anybody at this point? Uh, was yeah, it was presented to some other fighters, world, former world champions, Lamont Peterson, uh, Bertha Machado, but they said within short, or short period of time, they wouldn't be ready. So I'm like, all right, understandable, whatever. And then they presented us Anthony Young, you mm-hmm. know, it's just another, another name, you know, I'm not going to go in there careless. I'm not, I'm not going to prepare myself at, like not at my very best, you know, I'm not taking this guy lightly. Mm-hmm. But my job's to go in there and just run this guy over and go on to the next, mm-hmm. on to bigger, bigger and better things. So on that subject, on bigger yes. and better things, this feels like the year you can get that. Hell like yeah. it feels like that. Like yeah. Spence Crawford's on life support at 147. <laughs> Spence is all the way up at 54. Yeah. I, I, I'm skeptical, at least, that he comes back down to 147. He's a big guy who's been big talking dude. about moving up anyway. Um, you've got... Virgil and Stanionis mm-hmm. fighting probably in April for that WBA title, which will probably wind up being the full title there. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you want all the title holders all the that title are out holders. there. But politically, that feels like the easiest fight to put together, like maybe at the end of this year. Yeah. How do you feel about a Virgil Ortiz fight at the end of the year if things go well for the both of you? Yeah, if things go well for the both of us. It has to be a meaningful fight. You know, mm-hmm. you just going to have two fighters at the, at the very, not hitting their prime. I'm, I want to say I'm in my prime. Yeah, I'm barely going to hit it. <laughs> I'm 25. I feel like I'm still getting better each and every fight. It doesn't make sense to have two fighters like that to fight for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, we already proved that we could be in there with the top, some top guys, some elite fighters. But it has to bring some type of value. It has to bring a world championship title to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be open for that. Definitely, 100%. Mm-hmm. 
So what Virgil, Southern California guy Virgil, yeah. as well, like how much history do you have with him? How much sparring have you done with him? How much have you been around him over the years? Yeah, I know Virgil on a, almost on a personal level. He's a cool dude, very mm-hmm. humble guy. He's very he's a beast, like I said. You know, my hat's off to him. He's done what he does. He goes to the gym. He, doesn't t- he talks to people, but then he, when he gets to working out, he goes to working out. But we sparred many, many rounds. Mm-hmm. You can make an argument that maybe you weren't, like Rashidi Ellis was a few years older than you at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, maybe you weren't ready for for that guy. Do you feel you're ready for Virgil this year? Do you feel like if that opportunity comes this year, you're yeah, ready for it? Definitely, definitely. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a now or never time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like I said, we're both hitting our primes. We're both in there, but it has to be a meaningful fight mm-hmm. for some type of eliminator or even mm-hmm. a belt, you know. It, should, it I would. It has to be for the belt. Yeah, <laughs> like I, you guys shouldn't so. fight. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. Yeah. He gets that win. That's for that's that for WBA. Yeah, but I want a legitimate belt. Yeah. yeah, and get paid too at that and get, point. And, and get, get paid. paid. It's a it's a business. That's like a seven figure fight for both of you. Oh, I mean, that it's, feels, a, it's a exactly. Yeah, it's that, a business. Yeah, it's and a, a business. legit one because that you put that fight probably out here or maybe in Texas or something sell. like that. It sell. sells. Does oh, yeah. does a, does a great number. I can't. I still can't believe you weigh almost as much now as you did seven years old. That's, that's uh, still it's, it's crazy. That right? still freaks me out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, seven year old one thirty five. I know, but hey, things change and. It's, yeah, <laughs> things oh. change. Well, good luck on the 28th. Uh, Anthony Young, YouTube Theater, live on DAZN, uh, headlining once again. Uh, good to see you, man. Uh, great, it's great seeing you, Maddox, and thank you for the interview, brother. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card. Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.